Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above, as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, gentlemen, it is time to talk about the Maryland Terrapins, uh, one of the no plays, uh, one of the teams Northwestern does not play out of the Big Ten East this year. Uh, a team that went five and seven last year. Um, obviously there was a lot of off the field turmoil, uh, with Maryland, what with, uh, the, the tragic death of Jordan McNair in the summer and, um, the DJ Durkin removal, um, and all of the horrific nonsense that went on off the field. The str- um, strength coach. Yeah, just brutal all around and, you know, ton of distractions for Maryland going into the season. Um, you know, they, they ended up five and seven and, you know, for the, in the Big Ten East, that's, you know, nothing to shake a stick at, but, uh, let, let's, you know, not dwell on, on that too much this year. Mike Loxley, uh, takes over as head coach, um, after, you know, he was the interim coach, uh, in a few years ago. Um, but John defensively tell, tell us about Maryland. I mean, they weren't great, but they weren't terrible, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's funny. You talked about this, just maelstrom, you know, this horrible set of events that the, the program went through last year, which it should be noted. I mean, you know, none of that was on the players, the players, you know, collectively were the victims in all of this. Um, and, you know, I, I give them credit. I mean, from a defensive perspective, Despite all of that, you know, our, our predictions last year for Maryland's defense were basically, um, basically were accurate. Um, we predicted last year that Maryland would take a small step upward defensively. And that was with the knowledge that Maryland had been really bad defensively in 2017. And we figured that they'd take a small step upward defensively thanks to this crop of incoming transfers they had coming in if their star defensive end, Jesse Annie Bonham, could stay healthy. And basically, that's what happened last year. Um, But if you, you know, you'd be forgiven for not noticing that uptick because they might have improved a little bit from being arguably the worst defense in the conference in 2017. But that uptick was not really that notable, and it's not going to be permanent. Um, So Annie Bonham played. But he certainly did not return to his former glory at defensive end. He did stay on the field, though, and he did command a lot of double teams on the line in Maryland's 3-4 scheme against the pass, which is significant given, again, the kind of 3-4 approach they're trying to use. Uh, And given that Annie Bonham did stay on the field, Maryland's bread was otherwise buttered where we thought it was going to be, and that's at linebacker. So... Darnell Savage, who is a safety, certainly captured a lot of the headlines for Maryland last year at the NFL draft, and he's a great athlete, and he did put up five and a half tackles for loss, and he had four interceptions last year, but his numbers coming into last year weren't great. We didn't talk about him a heck of a lot last year, and frankly, five and a half tackles for loss and four interceptions isn't all that great in and of itself anyway, Um, but... 
Illinois transfer Trey Watson, who we thought was going to be a good addition for Maryland at linebacker, was as advertised. Antoine Brooks was a great linebacker as well, and Isaiah Davis also played well. So Maryland had a trio of solid linebackers last year, really three of the four that they started. Um, And they also had a really hard-hitting athletic safety in Savage. Um, And that gave them the potential for a solid defensive core. The problem, as it always has been for Maryland, is that even in a 3-4, defense starts up front. And the Terps just don't have anyone who can absorb linemen against the run. And they get run over. The aforementioned trio of linebackers formed, again, who are all good, formed part of the 11th best run defense in the conference last year. And that was up from 12th the year before. Maryland had the 6th ranked pass defense in the conference, but that wasn't the product of any ability to get to the quarterback because no Terrapin had more than 3 sacks last year. So simply put, teams did not throw against Maryland because they didn't really need to throw against Maryland. Still though, uh, Maryland got 10 interceptions out of Watkins, Savage, and Brooks. Uh, And Brooks also led the team with 9 tackles for loss. Again, The linebackers on this team were good, and Savage was a high NFL draft pick. Um, So those contributions and 300-plus tackles from those core four defenders I've been talking about were enough to push the Terps up to 7th in the conference in scoring defense. But still, this was the ninth best total defense in the country, and teams with strong running games really flattened Maryland last year. So adding to that, this was really a patchwork team last year. Um, composed, like we said it would be, of transfers like Watson and Byron Coward from Alabama, uh, from Auburn, who was a former monster recruit who just never really panned out, and Marcus Lewis, who I think was from Florida State. All of those players are gone now, and Annie Bonham is gone too, and so is Savage. So overall, Maryland only returns three defensive starters, and those three players are definitely key players. Uh, Brooks, who is without a doubt, Maryland's best defensive player. And Davis are back. And Tino Ellis is solid, if, like, unamazing at corner. And they have Ohio State transfer Keandre Jones coming in at linebacker. But the bottom line is that this unit is going to continue to stink up front, especially against the run. And it may very well be worse in the back eight than it was last year, when, again, this defense was mediocre at best. So... This defense may not be the worst in the Big Ten, but it's not going to be much more than that. Uh, so, Scuzz, offensively, um, they bring in a transfer quarterback uh, from Virginia Tech, and i got to ask you, are, do you think they're going to be running the flying V? <laughs> um, it, would be amazing if, it would be amazing if they did. Turtles don't really fly in a V like ducks, though. So uh, I think it'll still be Fear of the Turtle. But yeah, Josh Jackson is a just a massive injection for this program on offense, and you know it it does not answer the question if Maryland's QB luck is going to change. I mean, that was our big question going into the last season. We thought, you know, similar John to what you said on the defense, we thought this offense could improve. Uh, they had you know some mega players coming back at running back. Uh, they had a quarterback trio of Max Bortenschlager, Tyrell Pigrome, and Kasim Hill, who all had starting experience. They had wide receivers. They had, you know, what whatever. We thought that 
there was room for growth there. Um, obviously, the tragedy of, over the summer had a big influence on the offense and the offensive line. But I like the the thing I want to focus on more is the drama in the quarterback room, and that's that Maryland. It's seemingly for years now cannot stay healthy at quarterback. Um, so well, I actually let. Before you go on, uh, John, I have a question for you. What linebacker has some history playing quarterback for Maryland? Because that might come up. Oh gosh, I was like, is he? I'm trying to think. I, I think remember he's gone. that. I think he's gone now. But that, that one was is. Right. But is there another linebacker who might be able to jump? <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I'll tell you, Antoine Brooks could probably run the heck out of some triple option if they needed that. But to Scuzz's point earlier. I'm not throwing uh, Antoine Brooks into a situation where karma says he's almost certainly going to get hurt. They need him way too much on the defensive side. Yeah, I, I, well, and I think I think they've got enough talent in the QB room this year. So, you know, last year, Kasim Hill, who was, you know, we've talked many times, was a big Northwestern recruit uh, target uh, QB a few years back. He won the starting job. I believe that was aided somewhat by training camp injuries. I think Portenschlager got injured. Uh, I think. There was, another, there was another guy that was in the mix that maybe left the program. I can't quite remember. But um, he won the starting job, and holy hell, he probably beat Texas in the first game of the year. His stats weren't incredible. He was 58% completion, 200 yards, three for one TD. Not amazing, but still it was Texas. They won. Then Kasim Hill didn't throw for more, more than 200 yards in a game the rest of the year, with one exception, which was, wait for it, Illinois. <laughs> and then of course in true maryland fashion kasim hill tore his acl in the third to last game of the year uh tyrell pigrom who he had played sparingly throughout the season uh he was recovering from his own acl inj- injury the year before he came in and promptly took the terps within a two-point conversion of beating ohio state in overtime Oh, so close, too. That was so close. It was really close. The following week, uh, they absolutely collapsed against Penn State, only scoring three points. Their, you know, crazy emergent freshman, Anthony McFarland, at running back, who was not on our radar radar going into the season, other than, like, kind of a note, like, hey, this, they have this big-time recruit. He might be good. Um, he had a lot to do with both those games. He ran for 300 yards at a 14.2 yards per clip uh, rate against Ohio State, and then he only got 12 yards on six carries against Penn State. <laughs> um, but like that, like in a nutshell, that just encapsulates how crazy Maryland's season was last year. And like we said, like this is three or four years now of just absurdity in terms of injuries and backups playing, etc. At the QB position. So now add to this that in the off season this year, Kasim Hill has transferred. Still available. It's still available, by the way. Has not has not landed on a team coming out of the transfer transfer portal, but is no longer listed on uh, Maryland's roster. So he's definitely gone from Maryland, and that was in response to former Virginia Tech QB Josh Jackson transferring into Maryland. And uh, short of him executing a triple deke, um, I still think he's going to be massive for the Terps. So. He's still coming off a huge injury. He had a leg injury last year. It was season-ending. It happened in the third game of the year. I believe it was an ACL. Seriously, like, Jackson is a major coup for Maryland. Uh, This is, I think, probably going to be the best QB they've had since Sean Hill back in the early aughts. 
Jackson was really good in his first year at Virginia Tech. He had 60% completion percentage, a 19-8 TD-to-pick ratio, and then he starts out 2018 by absolutely dunking on Florida State. Like This is a massive upgrade at QB. Granted, like I said, he's coming off an injury, but I think this will really help Anthony McFarland find more running space. McFarland is a speed demon. They also get back Lorenzo Harrison, who's a bit more of a uh, of a bowling ball. He was a stud two years ago for them, was part of uh, their, their running back duo that ran for close to 2,000 yards. Now, that being said, everybody else from this offense is gone. They lose their center, both tackles, their top wide receiver, their top tight end, but they've recruited pretty well on O-line. Um, granted, it's a different coaching staff, but Maryland has been developing big-time wide receivers for years now. And at the end of the day here, like, like they're going to be probably pretty rough to start the season because they don't have the chemistry, they don't have the time playing together. But by mid-October, by early October, like, I think the East needs to watch out for these guys. And more importantly, there are three key teams in the West that need to watch out for these guys. Uh, yeah, so um, let's let's talk about that and kind of run through their schedule real quick. Uh, they open up the season with a home game against Howard. Uh, hopefully, Howard will be bringing his friends. Um, <laughs> Poor I Howard. That, I, I make that joke every single year, and somehow I still think it's funny. Um, they got Syracuse uh, for week two. Then they go to Temple uh, before having a bye week to get ready for Penn State on a Friday night. Uh, they travel to Rutgers and Purdue. They're home for Indiana. They're at Minnesota. Home for Michigan at Ohio State. Lovely start to November there for Maryland. Uh, they get a bye week to lick their wounds before welcoming in Nebraska and then finish off the year traveling to Michigan State. This is a really interesting schedule because if you are if you subscribe to the narrative, and Scuzz certainly outlined it as a possibility, but if you subscribe to the narrative that Josh Jackson is the savior uh, you know, at, at quarterback at the most important position... There are a lot of winnable games on this schedule for Maryland. Um, I mean, I I count as many as, you know, for sure seven. I mean, they just, their their schedule, Howard, Temple, Rutgers, Purdue, Indiana, Minnesota, and Nebraska, that is just a giant pile of mediocrity right there. Um, and they could win any number of those games. I mean, again, their defense is not good, but they're, I mean, I... Of all the teams that I just listed, I just listed you a lot of bad defenses. So it's not like Maryland's going to be trotting out a team that's worse than most of those teams. Um, I mean, the flip side is there are, I feel like, five surefire losses here. Um, But Maryland did manage to shock Texas two years in a row. So if there's some scenario where they somehow shock Syracuse at home in, in, in September... Maybe they win a couple shootouts against bad teams and, and get into a bowl. I mean, I th- I think they're going to be somewhat inconsistent. I, I think bowl eligibility is definitely on the table here. Um, I, I don't see them doing much more than, than maybe eight, eight wins at best if they have like a really good year. But most critically, now at Purdue, at Minnesota, that's tough. But if you don't think that Josh Jackson can outduel Adrian Martinez on November 23rd, the last home game of the year before he probably goes to the NFL draft, who boy. There's some serious implications for Northwestern on this Maryland schedule, and that may be coloring my perspective here a little bit, but 
who boy, fear the Terps. I'm I'm all in for Maryland this next year. Well that, well, that one. I mean, and by that point, you know, Maryland may be a real key player in derailing Nebraska's title. I'm sorry, I just couldn't say it. Uh, no, it is it is funny. I mean, again, I I can't stress this is not going to be a good defense. They're really not. But there are a lot of bad defenses in offense. I mean, like this is just not a hard schedule overall. Yes, they play a couple of awesome teams, and they have Syracuse non-con. But like, are there seven wins here, or at least six for this team? Absolutely. Like Maryland is at least on the same level as seven teams on their schedule. Like, for sure, I have no doubt about that. So it's like, yeah, as long as they don't get bit by that horrible quarterback karma again, yeah, I see them playing in the postseason. I Like, for me, Michigan and Ohio State are the only surefire losses here. I don't, I do not think Maryland's going to go 10-2, and two, but I think they have a chance in every other game. I mean, they get Penn State at home, so that, that helps, but, uh, and, and, you know, Penn Josh, State has Josh Jackson versus whatever they're trying out at QB. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, Penn State has its own set of issues going on, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State's going to be a tough one, but that's the thing. I mean, I think I don't, yeah. I mean, they're, well, I mean, to the extent that they are equipped to, to, to move the ball, they're equipped to move the ball in the right way against Michigan State. Like, it'll be all Jackson. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, it's, it's a weird season. I mean, the flip side is if they're four and four after their first, you know, eight games, I don't think they're gonna bowl. But there's, there's an inter- They're an interesting one. They could tip in a bunch of different ways, um, and it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, definitely, definitely could be fun. I mean, you know, in all likelihood, we're looking at a team in the up middle to upper middle of the East. But uh, you know, definitely gonna keep our eye on the Terps uh, throughout the season. We're going to go ahead and leave Maryland there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at Westlaw Pirates. And you can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlaw to Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.